Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. OK, let's not muck about here. We're all dying to know what did he do when he got the £1,000 phone? And accessories. And accessories. An iPhone 13, a charger, and a lovely sort of wallet to put it in. So was he grateful? Stop it Happy? Well, all that day, I was tracking the Apple delivery on my phone, and it's getting nearer, and I was getting really, really excited, because it was getting nearer and nearer and nearer. I was walking my dog, and I was checking my phone, walking my dog, and checking my phone, and I was literally on tenterhooks, and I was so... Because I get excited about people giving people things. No, I love it. I want to please yeah. them. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's part of the pleasure, isn't it? And one of the reasons I wanted to give him that phone was that he was going away. I wanted him to have a phone in case he broke down. If Casey had a stroke, he could phone emergency services. It was state of the art. <laughs> Cheerful That was my reasons. only motivation in giving the phone. And I was so excited he was going to get it. And so the time passed and I got an email saying it had been delivered. I thought, oh, because if someone had sent me a gift and it was delivered, like when I got the Ashes matchbox <laughs> last week. <laughs> Let's not forget I the said Ashes. it's arrived, I've got it, it's safe. I've got yeah. it. I'm not opening it to Christmas Day, I've got it, it's yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. So I'm afraid, Nicola, being Liz, being Liz. You couldn't wait, could you? Being Liz, I sent a text saying... Did you get the present? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes what? Oh. So I said, oh, great, it's there safely. I've been on tenterhooks. And do you want to know, this is like, this is in next week's column, and this is like when you go on Netflix and you have to binge. So we're binging. <laughs> we're binging. We need to know what's going on here. Do you know what he said when he got the £1,000 phone? I'm going to guess, thank you so much. That's so generous and I'm so grateful. No? I've sent it back to you. Look to yourself and your actions. And what actually does that even mean? What does that mean? Look to yourself and your actions. What? Look to yourself for sending a grand's worth of Christmas present. That was a terrible thing to do, Liz. (laughs) But I was literally in tears, gobsmacked. But what's he talking about? I was like, what? Yeah. So I sent a text back saying, what now? And I got nothing back. Right. And I was genuinely upset because I just did something not to get someone back. No, I had no other motivation than to give someone a phone so that they could not die. Yeah. So what are you supposed to do? I don't understand, I don't know. really. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't understand. But also, why be cryptic? Or, like oh, you said cryptic. to me, oh, maybe he thought it was spending too much money and you've got no money. But then someone would say, 
it's really lovely you sent me the phone, but I cannot accept it. It's too much. And uh, I was so upset. Yeah, that's awful. We then had a Miranda Priestley moment, and I said to you, Nick. <laughs> we did. Go on. Your new name is Alexa. <laughs> How do I block someone so we know he's been blocked? I know. I, I'm just supposed to know everything. There's nothing. Just let, I want you to know, people, there's nothing I can't answer, apparently. So what did you answer? You can't. You can block them, but you can't make them know they're not being blocked. It doesn't give you a message. You are blocked. Your messages just don't so go through. So what's his experience? Sending texts or sending emails or it not just, sending texts? They just won't go through. You won't, you won't get a delivered sign. So it'll say sent, but you won't get delivered because it just doesn't... You won't get any answers either. No, you won't get any answers. So if he sends you a message, you won't get anything, but you won't know he's tried to send you a message. See, and that would drive me nuts. I'd want to unblock just to see if he tried to send me a message. But I don't understand why people are cryptic. I hate cryptic. I really bloody hate Look cryptic. Look to yourself and your actions. What? I sent you a phone I couldn't afford because I thought you needed it. Mm, block him. Wise move. No, he is blocked. Wise move, block and him. And I tell you what, when you have actually made that decision that you just can't take anymore, it's actually quite liberating and it actually... It opens up a space... And you're not looking at your phone all the time. And you're not worried what the next email is going to be. And you're not waking up thinking, oh, God, here's another email. What have I done now? It's actually really liberating. And I, yeah. you know, thought of the Mary J. Blige song, No More Drama. No. And the sad thing is, though... Another it's... lesson learned. Yeah. You're actually doing a nice thing. And this is, this is what's happened to me again and again and again. I do a nice thing. And I'm just punished for it. Mm. Why? Mm. And I think I think that's a lesson going forward, you know. I'm not doing anything nice for anyone ever again. No, you can be nice, but just be nice to the appropriate people. And, and the ex, But there aren't any. The exes are proved time and time again, really. So it's that, not just, it's other people. Mm. And I also saw an email. Do you remember we talked recently about two pieces my husband's written yeah. very, very recently in The Telegraph about me saying I'm Harvey Weinstein... And I got an email from him in 2009, and it says, I don't hold a molecule of ill will towards you, Liz. I completely understand if you still feel aggrieved by me. I deserve it. You've always been a friend to me, 2009. And suddenly I'm Harvey Weinstein. There's a difference, isn't there, between a personal email and what goes in print in the Telegraph? No, but there's nothing different in mine. I will say in a personal email what I will say in New mm. Magazine. There is no differentiation. I am what I am. No, exactly. But other people are not what they are or what they So why to would you send an email saying I don't hold a modicum of ill will and then publish 2,000 words in the Telegraph saying you do? Because he's being paid for it. So he's blocked. Because it's cause he's it gives blocked. Him a Who else should we block? Oh, God. I think we've got quite a few people blocked, haven't we? We've got members of your family blocked. Members of my family blocked because I just couldn't take the self-pity anymore. Yeah, we've anymore. got my stalker blocked. We've got quite a few people blocked. But I was so upset that I did a nice thing and I got, look to yourself and your actions. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Nice to see you. Bye. How's your week been, Nat? Um, yeah, I haven't been very well this week. I've had a four-day migraine. 
five so, day five day migraine i'm still still feeling really rough what started on do you think well it started on new year's eve and i, I was quite tired and i've been i'm sort of like a lot of people probably out there that you listening. were very angry on new year's eve i was very angry and i've not i've not been great i think like a lot of people i'm quite bubbly and quite cheerful but i was actually feeling don't pull faces <laughs> i am normally quite cheerful i can't get out of bed each day she says but, but I've been feeling I've been feeling quite down and quite fed up and a bit overwhelmed with everything going on. So then New Year's Eve I was quite upset because my boyfriend decided that he was gonna give me a ring and he would rather go drinking with his friends and come and see me on New Year's Eve. So I wasn't too impressed. I can only say here, Nick, the fantastic Diane Keaton quote from Play It Again, Sam, about Woody Allen. I always wondered why, even though he was married, he could never get a date on New Year's Eve. Indeed, indeed. So I found that quite upsetting. He'd been up to see his family, which was fine, but he decided to stay. But New Year's Eve is like a landmark. It's Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, your birthday. Three days out of the year. It's not much to... It's, not, well it's not much to bloody well ask. And he knew I'd be on my own, and, which is fine if you choose to be on your own. Or you I offered to, to have Boris. You so offered you to have Boris to go out. So I was quite upset, and that I think that just sort of tipped me over the edge. So it sort of resulted in this this migraine that has left me feeling really bad. And I just thought, you know what? I really need to think about my priorities going forward in the year. And I've come to the realization that. I expected him to come home and have a lovely New Year's Eve with me. And that was my expectation. But clearly, he wanted to get drunk with his friends. That's not an unrealistic expectation, Nick. I don't think it, I don't think it is. I've got to be honest. I don't think it is. It's not acceptable. I don't think it is. And I've sort of really thought, you know, I, I am sort of very down at the moment in general. My, dog, my elderly dog's got dementia and, you know, it's, it, that's hard. Um, I'm up in the night with him a lot and he's, you know, he's strong. He's quite happy. Don't, you know, he's very happy. I make sure he's very happy. But I don't think people, until they experience either having a baby or someone with dementia, so how, how hard it is and sort of different things. And I've just decided going forward, I'm really going to think about me. I'm really going to think about my priorities. And, you know, I often say this about my priorities and about this and about me, but then I end up worrying, like you, worrying about other people and perhaps thinking, you know, that other people should behave in a certain way. And actually, I can't change. I can't change other people. I can't change No, what you him. do, and this is what my wonderful therapist in Keswick said to me, people don't change. Cut them out of your life. Yeah. Block him. Block him. Block him. Block him. <laughs> That's the new thing now. Block him. Block him. So I'm going forward in a really positive way, I've decided. You um, deserve better, Nick. You're intelligent, you're funny, you're pretty, you're still young compared to me. Youngish. <laughs> you deserve Ish. better, I'm sorry. Do you know, even I think I deserve better. Of course better. you do. And actually, I'm quite not likely to say that, but even I think I deserve better. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to get better and be better. I'm, see, I'm still trying to be optimistic. Block him. Block him. Block him. Block the bugger. Block him again. But the word of the week, everyone, is blocked. Blocked. So I recommend it. 
if anyone's mean to you, block them. And it opens up a huge space for other possibilities, such as Nigel. (laughs) Now, the whole column this Sunday is another confession. I haven't had another facelift, though that's probably coming. I am the female non-tennis playing version of Novak Djokovic. So basically nothing like him whatsoever then? No, but he's gone to Australia, tried to get into Australia. I want to go to Australia to see Nigel. And he's been put in a hotel with rats because he hasn't been vaccinated. And my whole column this week is about how I haven't been vaccinated and how it splits up couples, even if they haven't rejected a £1,000 phone, because my ex, even though he smokes and doesn't exercise has been vaccinated and he thinks the unvaccinated should be killed and I haven't been vaccinated, which has partly stopped me going to a Cotswold mini break in a spa cottage. And the reason I haven't been vaccinated is because when I got the letters for the vaccine, I was suffering from the vertigo and I was very ill and I wasn't allowed to drive and the vaccine centre was 20 miles away. And I'm very fit and and I don't smoke and I no longer drink and drive. But you're not supposed to have it when you're not well. I mean, they'll tell no. you not to have it, yeah. Because it could have exacerbated my symptoms. Can, can we just go back to they no. should be killed? Yeah, he said like, <laughs> kill, kill the unvaccinated, it's a win-win. That's a little bit harsh, you know, when we've got freedom of choice. A little bit you harsh. You know, there's a reason I don't like wearing a mask, although I do wear a mask when it's compulsory. It's because I'm very anxious and I can't breathe. It interferes with my hearing aids and I can't lip read. Yeah, yeah. So it makes you incredibly isolated, even more anxious, and the more anxious I get, the more I can't hear. No one talks about deaf people being unable to lip read. You know when I went to see that horrible, horrible consultant, I've got your name and I'm going to write to you at the hospital in North Allerton? Yeah. Even though he was in an ear, nose and throat clinic and he's an ear, nose and throat consultant and he was dealing with a deaf person, me... He didn't take his mask off. And I said to him, I'm sorry, whatever you're saying in your your monosyllabic manner while you're looking at your screen, you rude little man, I can't hear you and I can't lip read and I don't know what you're saying. And he just rolled his eyes and huffed and puffed. But but you can get see-throughs. No, but those clear visors apparently are completely useless. No, but you can get see-through masks now. Yeah, but apparently they're completely useless. Oh, Okay. Unless they're worn with another mask. Yeah. So no one talks about deaf people wearing masks. They interfere with the hearing aids and you can't lip read. It's incredibly isolating. And people just roll their eyes. And I'm sick of this man at the greengrocer saying, can you use the anti-back on your hands? And can you put a mask on? And can you not bring your dogs into the greengrocers? Well, basically, my dog could wee on your apples outside because you've got apples outside. B, you're overweight and probably diabetic. How much time are you going to waste with the NHS because you can't stop eating donuts? I'm thin. I'm incredibly fit, apart from having vertigo. And I'm deaf. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think shopkeepers are pressurised, aren't they, to sort of... Yeah, but they still lick their fingers when they open the carrier bag for you. The mask should stop that. I've noticed a lot of people in shops though serving haven't got The man in the garage actually takes his mask off, licks his fingers, puts his mask back on and gives me the carrier bag. 
And I complained about him and nothing was done. Apparently you're supposed to have a little pad, don't you, that you can wet your fingers on. But I'm apparently now not just Harvey Weinstein, I'm Novak Djokovic, except I don't play tennis very well. Well, it's all down, isn't it? It's your choice. I mean, I'm vaccinated, you're not vaccinated. We, we've never argued about it, have we? We it's could. Never... But when I, I don't care enough whether you're vaccinated or not. And look how care. ill the vaccine made you. You made were off really sick Ill. for about a month. No, not quite a month. But, but yeah, no, it did make me very ill. But the migraine has, has made you incredibly ill. That could be long COVID. Yeah. I think I've actually had COVID because I was very ill for about two days when you were in hospital. Yeah, and I yeah. still had to do the horses. Yeah. And I could barely get out of bed. No, I mean, I'm still ill. I can't seem to shake it, so I don't know really what's going on. I've assumed it's a migraine, but because I've had a headache and stuff, but it could be anything. It could be long COVID. It could be long COVID. I mean, I haven't had COVID to my knowledge, but I have been very ill. You've been um, ill for, like, years now. I know. The last two years you've been so ill. I know. The doctor said it was stress a lot of it. But I think a lot of it's temper. Temper. <laughs> My temper made no, me you ill. Were, on New Year's Eve, you were white as a sheet. You were absolutely furious at Martin. And I just thought she's going to make herself ill. Same yeah. as you did with Kevin. He made you ill and you didn't emerge for months. No. I had to walk that for you. No, no, no. No, I was, I mean, I wasn't. But Whereas I was when I upset. shed a man, when I shed a man, it's like, I'm like a pupate. I'm like a chrysalis. I shed them. <laughs> I emerge as a butterfly. And I'm better than ever because I just think these men aren't worth it, Nick. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I think everybody be should a butterfly. Have. Be a butterfly. <laughs> I've just got a vision of me in a butterfly so It's not attractive. It's not attractive. You can read this week's diary in full on Men on Sundays, You Magazine. Do you want to know what my archive is? Tell me about your archive. Well, you see, the thing is, I've been going through my emails for the last 20 years because I've been looking for a piece that I need to find and you haven't been helping. So I found this piece from 2010, that isn't an excuse, where I went back to my high school, Brentwood High School for Girls, to the class of 75... And it was weird going back to my old school because I've never, I'd never been back since. Because I was standing in the hall with parquet flooring and leaded windows and the smell was sort of the same, chicken moringo, although I was excused from school dinners. Chicken moringo? All they ever gave us was chicken moringo and I was excused from school dinners. I was excused from biology because I wouldn't dissect a frog or a bullseye. No, I won't do that. And my mum sent me to school every day with brown bread, banana sandwiches. That was the only thing I would eat. And it, what, what struck me about being in the foyer of my school was the last time I was there, my mum was alive my dad was alive. And Aww. when I was standing there, my mum would have been at home making a stew and worrying about what to give me because that was sort of the beginning of my eating disorder. And my dad was being Cary Grant, working for the NHS in his immaculate suit. And they were alive out there somewhere. Yeah. And I was in that building and my parents weren't out there anymore. So that yeah. really, really upset me for yeah. some reason. I'm not surprised. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to be without my mum. I just can't imagine it. It's inconceivable. You're like twins. 
who would tell me that my face was dry <laughs> and, and that I'd lost weight on my legs but my stomach was still big. <laughs> Where would I get that from? That's a stress fat tummy, Nick. It's a stress fat tummy. It's nothing to do with the donuts. So the last time I stood in this hall, I was 16 years old, dressed in a gingham shirt, navy jumper and skirt, brown... Everything was brown in the 70s. Oh, God. Now, we were blue. Freeman Hardy Willis platforms that cost £3.50. Freedom Hollis. Oh, God. You were quite trendy then. I was quite trendy. And I was always twisting my ankle when I was running to the station because I fell off my platform. <laughs> that was quite trendy. I think I had plimp soles. I have a photo taken a year or so before I left Brentwood County High School in Essex. Looking at the picture, I'm not the ugliest girl in my form, but I'm definitely the saddest. Back then, I felt ugly, hideous. I always had a letter from my mum to get me out of swimming. The communal showers for use after hockey or netball filled me with fear. Isn't that odd that a girl of about 12 won't get naked in a shower and won't put on a swimming costume to go in the swimming pool? That is that is. Do you know, Unusual, I was the same. It? No, I was the same. I hated the communal showers. I hated them. But my mum had hated to write them. a letter saying I had a really yeah. persistent brooker to get out of swimming because I didn't want anyone to see no. my body. I thought I was so hideous. No, it is. It's horrible. It's really horrible. And in those days, the school didn't spot that I knew I was thought I was hideous. No. They didn't tell me I was normal. They didn't tell me I wasn't hideous. They didn't give me any leaflets or helplines or anything and I remember I started starving myself when I was 11 I didn't know there was anyone else in the world that did that no No. so there's a lot of talk nowadays about social media making girls worse and have more mental illness but I had extreme mental illness and I didn't know a single other person who did what I did I thought I invented it yeah yeah yeah. So you can invent it by yourself. You don't have to no, absolutely. learn it off other people. No, and when I, when I was not eating, I mean, I used to eat half an apple in the morning. It was either half an apple or half a grilled bit of bread with cheese. And I, I didn't know anyone else that did it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't have a name for it. I didn't think I was anorexic. I no, didn't I didn't think, know it was anorexic. No, I didn't think I had an eating disorder. I thought I was just being quite disciplined and, and that's that's what I was doing. It never occurred to me that I really had a problem. But I remember we all used to walk to the station together and we all used to go in Woolworths and the other girls used to buy sweets and sanitary pads. But I didn't buy sweets and I didn't buy sanitary pads because no. I didn't have a period till I was 18. No. And that was just one and then I never had another one. And... That made you feel excluded. You couldn't buy the sweets, you couldn't buy the sanitary pad. Now, I remember once I was told off for talking or running in a corridor or something, and I had to write out lines in detention, and it was, I will put sanitary pad in the bin, I will put sanitary pad in the bin. Isn't that the worst thing to give a child who has never had a period? Awful, and why would they give that to you anyway? They give it to me. That's a really strange thing to make you I right. should have gone back to Brentwood High School and smashed the windows. Wow, that's a really strange thing to write for, for No, that detention. was... And I've never forgotten it. Those were the lines I had to write. Put the sanitary towel in the bin. Well, I could understand it if you plastered it to the wall or something or sellotaped it to yeah, the Yeah, but I was an anorexic and they gave me that as my lines. It just doesn't make sense, does it? So when I had my reunion with the other girls, and I was 50 when we had the reunion... 
so I met up with Michelle, Tracy, Jane, Gillian, who was the prettiest girl in the school, and Heather. I was hoping to meet Karen, who was my best friend, who looked like Karen Carpenter, but she lives in Hong Kong, so I had to go to Hong Kong to meet her. But the good thing about going to Hong Kong was I stayed at the Peninsula Hotel and they picked me up from the plane in a Rolls Royce. That sounds very nice. So that was nice, is not it? That sounds very nice, yes. Nice to know you roughed it. <laughs> I remember that Heather had extraordinary thin legs and she played the violin. But all of the girls in my year... Are married, and these girls who I met for the piece are married, and they all had children. I was the only one who wasn't married and didn't have children. Mm. At one point, we were all sort of the same, that we all went to the David Cassidy concert at White City and screamed and wet our knickers and was so in love with David Cassidy. But it's weird because I lived in the fantasy of going out with David Cassidy Whereas the other girls just got pregnant and had real boyfriends. I persisted with that fantasy. No, the only man I'm going to settle for is David Cassidy. And do you think that was because he was unobtainable? Because I aspired to something more than... Ordinary. Suburban Brentwood where we all get married and we work at the local boots or whatever. And I think that's been my downfall really is why I thought... I would have a special life and I sort of held out for it mm. whereas they didn't they all just got married and had children I did I read a very good book and I can't remember the name of it but it was about there's nothing wrong with ordinary there's nothing wrong with accepting no. being ordinary and actually the thing I came away with from this piece which is quite upsetting reading it again actually they are all happier than me mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was that was something in this book was about we aspire and we push and we drive. And actually, we'd probably be really happier if we just were quite happy with the normal mundane life. We would be happier with that than always trying to reach for something that's not necessarily obtainable or obtainable at a price. So it is, it is food for thought, really. And here I write, age 11, I was convinced I'd always be young. You just think you're going to always be young, don't you? Mm. And it's a surprise when you're 60-something and you've got nothing. I get the shock of my bloody life when I look in the mirror. If I dry, walk, if dry. I, I'm dry. If I walk past without warning myself and I glance at the mirror, I wonder who the hell is looking back at me. And I remember another thing they didn't deal with when I was 11. There was a lovely girl in our class called Sarah Witherington and I remember what she looked like and she died in the fourth form for what started out as a sore throat and her mum never got over her death and she came to work in the library but Jane who was one of my schoolmates said when Sarah died we never had any counselling no one ever said anything one day she was just gone no one ever said anything to us Mm. oh sorry your classmates just died this is we need to talk about her we need to celebrate her we need to Perhaps speak to her mum. Yeah. No one said a word. It's such a different world now, isn't it? I mean, the 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 way children are treated now and looked after it is completely different. And they probably think they're having having it hard in comparison to us. But it was funny. I was exposed. All my teachers were these very old single women because teachers in those days, even though they didn't counsellors and know what anorexia was, they were single women who we used to sort of laugh at. There was Miss Goodwin and Miss Gillett. They were all Miss, Miss, Miss. I had a Miss, Miss Goodwin. You had a Miss Goodwin? I had a Miss Goodwin, yeah. And I miss, remember Miss Goodwin. She only had two fingers of her right hand. She used to pincer her shoulders with two fingers of one hand during country dancing. Oh. 
And we thought that was awful. Country dancing? You yeah, did we did country, country dancing. I did country dancing. I'm a bit jealous about that. I'd like to I entered that. a dancing competition where I sort of recreated Pan's people <laughs> to sweet talking guy. No. I choreographed it. Sweet talking guy. Please tell me it's on video somewhere. We had a disco competition to win a poster of David Cassidy. I won. Miss BCHS. I won. See, you aspired and you achieved. But we sort of, these sort of young girls who thought we were so trendy with our sort of joysticks and our little sort of knitted bags and platforms and Freeman Hardy Willis. I've later, because I did a piece on it later, discovered that the reason all these women were misses and they dedicated themselves to teachers, all their husbands and boyfriends were killed in the Second World War. Oh, that's horrible. Before they could, had a chance to get married. Get married. Oh, that's there weren't so enough sad. men to go around, so they went into teaching. Because if then, those days, if you were a teacher and you got married, you were sacked. It's harsh. So nice to be thinking about when you're young, though, and you've got that sort of confidence that, that, that when you're really, really young. I mean, when you're like three years old, you think everyone loves you and you go running up and getting into someone's lap or... You've got no idea, have you, that you might be rejected? I mean, it was, or... I, it was Brentwood High when it was a high school for girls. It was very academic. It didn't prepare you for life. No. It didn't prepare you for men. It didn't prepare you for getting a mortgage. It didn't prepare you for what happens when the VAT man calls you, how to choose an accountant, how to get the same salary as a man. It didn't prepare. We just played hockey. I think even now, I mean, I, you know. People were always bashing my shins. Yeah. How did that help? No. I think even now they don't do enough in schools about setting people up financially no. and, and how to manage your money and not get in debt and, and stuff like that. So we wandered through the grounds during our reunion, bemoaning the roof on the outdoor pool, the wimps, because ours was outdoor pool with no heating and frogs. Well, at least you had a pool. We had nothing. Nothing. We were reminded of sneaking off to the high street at lunchtime to eat chips and take off our hats, which wasn't allowed. I was always being told off for having a skirt that was too short. The teachers checked the length by making us kneel. And if the skirt didn't touch the ground, you had detention. But wouldn't that depend on the length of your legs? No. We had to cover your knees. And we all... This was a craze in 1975. We all had wicker baskets. We had wicker baskets. I like the wicker basket. No, but they're solid and hard and they catch on your tights. No, but they're very practical. You can get your shopping in there and save on plastic. And I asked Jill, who was always the most beautiful girl in my year, what made her so confident. And she said, I was good at sports, she said, so that made me popular with other girls and with the teachers. My parents always told me I was beautiful, that there was life to be savoured. I asked them what they thought of me at school. And they said, you were quiet, you were good at English. I used to write the poems for the school magazine. And you were in love with Paul Newman. (laughs) (laughs) How unrealistic was I? Well, as you said, you were aspiring high. Did I seem destined to be childless unhappy, I asked them. No, you didn't seem the most awkward, said Jill. But neither did you seem the most likely to succeed. That's interesting. But what's a measure of success? I mean, at one point when I was a journalist, I earned £500,000 a year. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I'm a success. Well, I think, yeah, you are successful in your career. There's no doubt about it. You are successful in your career. It's what you define success as yourself, isn't it? I mean, I've had no success in anything (laughs) whatsoever. Well, you keep nursing a migraine. (laughs) Anyway, a couple of months later... 
I got on a plane to meet my best friend, Karen, who looked like Karen Carpenter. And she was nervous about me going to see her. Are you coming as a columnist or to see me, she asked. Well, obviously as a columnist. Does, does, does she know that you are a columnist in every situation? <laughs> I told her I'd be at the Peninsula Hotel and she was still sticky. I live in flip-flops and a sarong and have a simple life, she typed. Now, Karen was very beautiful and she got the boy when I was doing my A-levels in Southend. Southend. Southend, yeah. In Southend, in sort of 1976, 1977, it was inundated with boys from Persia because before it became Iran, it was Persia and they all wanted to avoid conscription and killing each other. So they all came to Southend. Oh, my. Compare a Persian boy to the boys in Southend, the native Essex boys. No comparison. <laughs> this is no comparison. This is beaming, beaming. No comparison. Did you like did you like the boys? So I really had the hots for this boy called Ali, who was this very dark skinned Persian boy with curly hair, and I had the hots for him. And I was gonna meet him at the disco in Southend. And I went into the phone booth because this was before mobile phones, probably before colour photographs. I went into a phone booth and I phoned my mother and I said, I'm going to the disco this evening, so I'm getting a late bus because I want to get off with Ali. And she said, (laughs) my father, your grandfather, has just been knocked off his bicycle and killed. You need to come home. So that was me. I had to go home because my grandfather had been killed. And I miss going out with Ali. And Karen got him, so I'm going to Hong Kong for revenge. I'm sure she was pretty worried about that and thought, did she keep him, though? Or did she just... Well, she said... Well, she was good at everything. Physics, English, boys. I often stayed at her house in Billericay. Unlike my house, it had central heating. So it was nice staying there. I loved her. I absolutely loved her. Until I she loved stole the Karen. boy? Or did you still love her after the boy? Well, I sort of went, after, went off her a bit after she got with Ali. So I get her to come to my hotel at the Peninsula and immediately she's on guard because, oh, here's this Daily Mail journalist who's staying at the Peninsula. But that's all a facade, you see, Nick. It's all a facade. It doesn't mean anything. Just, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? I don't. Well, I see, I'm not like that. I don't take any notice of who people are. Yeah, or... but obviously she was slightly on guard. Well, she's probably on guard because you stole Ali. She she's... stole Ali. So I started to ask her about the men in her life, not wanted to prompt. And so she said, there was Ali during A-levels. My God, he was so good looking. But... But, but... When I went away to do accountancy in Plymouth, he became jealous, so I ended it. He was impossibly jealous, so it wouldn't have worked. So even if my grandfather hadn't been knocked off his bicycle and I'd gone and got off with Ali, it wouldn't have worked because he was very jealous. Say things happen as they're meant to. She had three children, moved to Hong Kong, but when I met her, she was single. Right, but was she happy? But it's weird, and I think I've written this in one of my books. I can't remember because there's so many... Women, even if they're normal, 
unlike me, and they leave school and they get married and they get pregnant and they have a child and they have another child and then they give up work and they've got a husband and then they have another child and then they've got grandchildren and then they get divorced. We all end up in the same place. Mm. But I've sort of ended up in that place without all the divorce and the children. The and the, do you know what I mean? I think there so are. So, what was the point of them going through it? Well, I think there are some people that stay married and are happy and. Well, none have of a my sisters life. manage, yeah. No, no, I mean, someone's got to do it. I mean, I've never but, even managed to get married. Well, at least I've done that, but it doesn't really count because I've blocked him. And I asked her what on earth we used to talk about when we were like 14, 15. Films, she says, because you know I love films. I know, yeah. I am the world's expert in films. If I'm ever invited on. Mastermind? Yes. Thank you. Any film, any decade, any genre, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Not boys, I said to her. No, she says. And she reminds me, we went to see Enter the Dragon when we were 15 because I fancied Bruce Lee and it was 18 we got in. We were in awe of boys. I don't think going to a single sex school helped. It didn't because I thought they were an alien species. Yeah, we had we had a, uh, just a girls' school, and the boys' school was just down the road. So the boys would all come and sort of, like, hang out round their gates and get told off. Reading through my transcripts of my time with my schoolmates, the word that crops up most is luck. I wonder now if I wasn't destined to be unhappy, no good at relationships, because that's how I was at school. As we watch the sun go down, Karen, my best friend in the world, and I sit and wonder how far we've come. I tell her we were so full of hope at school and here we are, both of us alone. I tell her I can't get over seeing her with three almost grown-up children. I was never desperate to have children, she said. It's hard. Don't think you failed because you haven't had kids. You always wanted a horse. Well, you've got horses. Yeah. So, you see so it, you know, I remember when I was at school, I wouldn't go to parties because I wanted to go and being jobless and going muck out of horses yeah, for nothing. Yeah, yeah. And I remember someone wrote a very sniffy review of my book saying Liz wasn't really poor because she had riding lessons. I mucked out to earn riding lessons and I washed up in a pub to earn riding lessons. Isn't my parents funny? didn't pay for riding lessons. Why do people make assumptions about anything, really? Why do people assume... Yeah, they don't know me. No, well, anyone. You know, we, we would jump to conclusions when we see or hear something. And we've got no idea what's going on behind closed doors or what someone's had to do to get something or how they've had to work or what Block their them. private life Block is like. Them. Block them. Block them. Block them. <laughs> Block them so they know they're blocked. <laughs> yeah, but that's the hard one. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Have you got any letters this week? I have got letters. I have. We have Leslie who says, Dear Liz and Nick, I've been married for 35 years with no time off. See, people do stay married. <laughs> I learned very early on in my married life that if I was going to receive anything that was valuable, attractive or romantic under the tree, I should have married someone else. And she's still married 35 years later. I'm impressed. Why? Thus, I always buy my own and I'm never disappointed. 
Sad fact of life is most men are useless at buying presents. I love listening to the podcast and you make me laugh every week. But I just think Aww. that's an awful excuse for men. Oh, I'm not very good at buying presents. I'm not near. Well, just learn. But she's she's accepted it, hasn't she? And she's just dealt with it herself. It. I'm not going to accept it. But that's, it. Your, that's I'm her not choice. going to accept a box of matches engraved like it's my ashes. No, that was bad. And I also had a message on Twitter from Ian Arbuckle. Oh, I like Ian. Ian's lovely. And he said to me, he sent a message saying, do you want some hair dye? Best line in the podcast. Almost as bad as my mum's leaf blower present from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've just got to accept that presents aren't really going to go well. We've got Jane who says, hi, Liz and Nick. Love your podcast today. The last one of 2021. I think that's the one they got singing. Was that the one they got singing? They did. I don't know. Oh. Do they want more singing? No, I don't think they want more singing. I agree Liz should think of herself this year. She's been too generous for friends, family and exes. Nick I, or Liz? Liz. Um, I lent an ex-friend money once and I think she resented me having the money to lend her. Isn't that weird when that happens? Like you help someone and then they resent you. Well, I got a them. direct message on Twitter from someone. When I talked about the thousand-pound phone and I yeah. got a box of engraved matches, what a total and complete <laughs> witch! She says. <laughs> I suggest he follows his own advice and take a hard look at himself in the mirror. She did the same sort of thing. Her ex was down on his luck, and she found him a flat, and she paid the first month's rent and the last month's rent. That's really kind. I paid for his internet, she writes. Then, when he had a weeping breakdown mid-move, I single-handedly moved his dresser, desk, clothing and computer paraphernalia. Why? Because there was no one else, he would have been made homeless. I'm sharing this because I know why you bought that phone. Because, even though it's over, we don't want the person we love to suffer, to go without, to be lost. What you did was driven by kindness. Oh, so, see, nice. I'm not the only person no. to have done that. No, she did that. She got her extra flat and moved his desk and moved his computer stuff and moved his clothes and paid his rent. Because sometimes we do things that are selfless. Yeah, yeah. But we don't expect to be punished for it. No. no. How many years am I going to go on about this? Well, you're just never going to do it again. You're never going to do, do it again. I'm never going to do it again. You're never going to do it again. Block him. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.